0: Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Trending. Joining us in just a little bit today on the show will be Sister Tina Alfieri. She's a certified sexual addiction therapist, a recovery coach for addictive disorders. She's a spiritual director, a hermit, a nun, and this is your hour. Ask a nun. What questions do you have for Sister Tina? Any questions we'll do It could have to do with growing in your prayer life. It could have to do with an addiction you're experiencing. It could have to do with a relationship. She offers candid and blunt advice that is so often needed. So if you have a question for the nun, number's 1-888-914-9149. Sister Tina Alfieri will be with us in just a moment. We're going to take your questions. We'll talk about how to overcome resentment and grow to love your state in life. That is whatever you may find yourself in. Married, single. Whatever it could be, we will talk about it. Also, I'm going to answer a question having to do with facing rejection after this woman in California told her friends that she can't call her friends their new preferred pronouns going along with this whole gender theory crisis. And I think that's all significant because I was watching a recent reel that's all over social media right now from a show a few years ago, and it had to do with this question. What happens when a medical professional treats someone who identifies as transgender. What do they do? Are they trained for that? Is there such training as that? We'll talk about that later on today on Trending. I think that these are important conversations we have to navigate from pronouns to medical choices. It's all significant in today's day and age. For some reason, we're still having these conversations about he for she, they, them, in that neutrality that seems so silly often on. Let's talk first about facing rejection from friends over pronouns. Salazar in Los Angeles, California wrote to me. She said, I recently had two friends share with me and our friends group that they wanted to change their pronouns from she, her to they, them. Being a Catholic, I didn't feel comfortable doing so. Should I want to approach this with as much love and respect as possible? She said she shared with both friends she couldn't do what they were asking, but reassured them that she still loved them as friends and wasn't rejecting either one of them. Should both friends and the rest of the girls in the friends group decided to unfriend her? She said they claimed I was using religion to just. Be one, judgmental, and two, manipulate them. She said, I'm really struggling to move on. Did I approach this the right way? This is a great question. One of the hardest things in life can be when we deliver truth and it's not received well. I get this. I'm in a recent circumstance with someone I love on this topic, and whether it's received well or not, sometimes if it's received well, you want to go further, to say more, to combat the bad choices someone may be making in their lives. The bottom line is that truth often includes saying no with love. You do the right thing, Salazar, for saying no with love. Uh, Share truth with compassion toward your friends is what you're called to do, When you have the opportunity, many of of us have encounters with people who live lifestyles adverse to what the church teaches, but don't necessarily have the relationships to actually speak into the situation, the challenges. So some of what I think is important is that when rejection occurs from someone we know and love, when we have to tell them a hard truth, that can be a sign of two things. One, that the friendship was a very weak friendship to begin with. It wasn't necessarily a friendship worth pursuing for either one of you. And that's hard to say sometimes. The other perspective is that that anger and that response from the friend group could be that they so desperately want and desire your approval that it's so upsetting to them that you aren't giving it. And that's why they're rejecting. So I think it's important to recognize those two sides of it. One, it could be the friendships weren't as strong as you thought. Or two, they do value that friendship so deeply that they're so angered that you won't just give approval to their lifestyle. But as you know, and I think we all know this, and sometimes it's hard to distinguish in today's culture, disapproving an action is radically different from rejecting a person. And we need to learn how to communicate that. I think that's sometimes the biggest challenge of being able to say, I love you, but I need you to understand. I had to say this someone to recently, recently this weekend, I have to be really frank with you. I completely disagree with what you're doing and here's why. And I even said at one point, I'm not trying to lecture you. I'm saying this because I love you and I have a responsibility to. And some may take that well, others may not. And that's sometimes the hardest part. You can pray for them, and if you even feel compelled to, even if they've shut the door on you, you can still turn around and reach out to them if you feel so compelled, if you think this is right, and accept the fact that you're reaching out, but you shouldn't necessarily expect a response. There's a balance sometimes as well where you need to let go, abandoning that person to Christ, and that can be challenging as a Catholic, when we have to draw lines in the sand saying no so intensely that to them it's angering or upsetting. It's truly, I think, a moment to test friendships. And sometimes I think that's the problem is we find ourselves in relationships and friendships that haven't been tested yet. I think of wisdom literature. We have, for example, the book of Sirach. and the book of Sirach chapter six, it actually says a lot about friendships. It says, if you make friends, test them thoroughly and don't trust them quickly Some are friends when it is convenient, but they won't stay around during hard times. And sometimes those hard times are simply by speaking truth. People stick around when you approve everything they do because it makes them feel good. But a true friend doesn't just make someone feel good. They tell them the truth and should make their friends feel good about doing good. And that's what we're called to, to live and speak the truth. And truth requires words, but should also be easily observed by others. Sometimes we don't have the relationship with a certain person living an adverse lifestyle to actually talk to what they're living through because we don't have that relationship with them, but we can show them by how we live. I keep thinking in a situation about John chapter 8 when Jesus is conversing with the Jews. In that chapter, we read, Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been in bondage to anyone. How is it that you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not continue in a house forever. The son continues forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. So what are we reading here? That we have to tell the truth and that the truth will set us free. And the truth, how do we know it's true? It's observable through nature, but out of obedience we're we're called to submit to the blueprint God has presented to us for our lives, revealed through nature, through sacred scripture, through tradition. Truth requires words, but should also be easily observed by others as well. And I think that's important. So when you ask, what about this pronoun war? There's a lot to be said and a lot to be unsaid in the whole circumstance, but By standing true and telling your friend the truth, Salzar, you did the right thing. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. Ask a nun. It's your opportunity. Any question you have about prayer, about addiction, about sin, Sister Tina Alfieri is here with us now on Trending. We're taking your questions in just a moment. Sister Tina Alfieri is a certified sexual addiction therapist. She's a recovery coach for addictive disorders. Again, she's a therapist, a nun, and a hermitate nun as well. Sister Tina, welcome back to Trending.
1: Thank you, Timmery. God bless you. I always enjoy being invited back. Thank you.
0: We're taking questions today. So if you have a question for Sister Tina, the number is one 914 9149 Or you can ask that question now on social media. Just follow me at Timri, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E, to ask your question. Sister Tina, before we start taking questions, I'd like to dive in to the topic of resentment. It's a topic I often hear uh, from people, in particular women. It seems to be that women, mm-hmm. generally speaking, tend to struggle more with resentment. Sister Tina, how do you overcome resentment in your life and then learn to love your state in life that you're in?
1: What a fantastic question and a great topic. I think it has a lot to do with trusting in God, but also not um, to make sure that we have uh, not engaged in resentment. Maybe there's something about righteous anger. Uh, You know, we are not called to be abused, we are not called to be um, verbally assaulted, Uh, we are not called to be disconnected from our families or our loved ones, so we want to first make sure there's no abuse of any kind going on. That's righteous anger. There's not anything wrong with righteous anger or righteous indignation. So assuming none of that is happening, let's talk about just resentments in general, one's state of life, where you may find yourself. I love the great saint, St. Francis de Sales, who's very gentle as a spiritual director, very gentle, very loving, and he always spoke about living one's vocation well is how we serve God best. So if our vocation is mother or wife or religious or single, whatever our vocation is, if we live that vocation well, then we are also serving God well. So we have to accept that we are where God wants us to be, assuming, again, there's no abuse happening. Um we've made the decisions to uh, be in our vocation uh, thoughtfully using discernment and consciously discerning our vocations, then we can be assured that we are where God wants us to be. So there's no room for resentment. It really has to do with increasing our trust and our faith in God. If we are experiencing hard times, we are human. We're going to have emotions about suffering. We're going to have emotions about struggles, financial struggles, emotional struggles, struggles with our spouse or our children, whether they're minor children or even adult children. We're going to have emotions about those. Those are not bad. However, Mm. we have to work with them. And understand that God has us where He wants us to be. He is in charge. He's in charge of everything, omniscient, all knowing, all powerful. If He wanted us to be somewhere different, doing something different, He could move us to be there and to do that. So we have to understand a little bit about acceptance. We have to understand a little bit about trusting God's providence and divine wisdom. We also have to understand also about suffering, that sometimes suffering is either good for us or good for someone else if we mm. take the time to offer that suffering mm. up. So resentment, I always like to say, it's okay, have your pity at party, you can have a pity party <laughs> for a couple of hours or a day, but then we have to move on. And I think it's important that we acknowledge we we get to have a pity party. We have emotions. We're human. Jesus was fully human and fully divine. We have emotions, too. We can't ignore them or repress them or push them aside. We can only experience them and then turn them over to a loving God and ask him, please help me with this.
0: Mm what you just said really stood out to me as well especially from the perspective of maybe being a friend of or family member of someone who's harboring resentment that you mentioned pity parties i'm glad you mentioned that like having okay it's okay to be upset it's okay to Mm -hmm. have this emotion to even live through that emotion um, but you need to come past that emotion And I keep thinking of Aristotle and the Nicomachean Ethics, where he talks a lot about friendship and he talks about what true and authentic friendship is. And he said something, a line that has always struck me in that he said, you wouldn't even complain about that friend, like a true friendship of Mm. virtue. You wouldn't complain about the friend. You would, if there was something that needed to be addressed, it would be because it's something that they can change. And Mm -hmm. it would be something that you directly approach to them rather than complaining to someone else about them. And when you bring up, you know, that element of having a pity party, you know, that fact is is that we i think sometimes don't acknowledge an emotion when we experience it and so some people i think sister tina can carry that resentment on for weeks months and even years a certain situation and part of i think sometimes the reason for that and i'd like to hear your thoughts is because they never actually let themselves feel the anger the sorrow or the remorse for that experience that has led to that resentment all this time so it's unaddressed emotion that is still sitting there needing to be experienced in a certain respect or acknowledged.
1: Amen. I could not agree with you more. You've hit the nail on the head. Um, Many times resentment is um, unaccepted anger about a situation. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be upset. Um, It's how we voice that. It's how we use that. Um, and we have emotions. We Again, we have to acknowledge that we have emotions. It's unhealthy to disregard the anger. Then we become a simmering volcano, uh, which is not good. Um, so the only way out is through. That's the great quote by the uh, German psychoanalyst Fritz Perls. Uh, in the 1920s and 1930s, the founder of Gestalt Therapy, he acknowledged the only way out is through. We cannot deny how we feel. We cannot avoid how we feel. We cannot repress how we feel. The only way out is to acknowledge, I am so angry. I am so resentful. Again, it's healthy to acknowledge this. It's okay. Give yourself a day couple of hours to feel that anger, feel that resentment. But yes, then we have to go and take this to God, take it to Jesus in prayer and ask his help with it. Now, one of the things I want to talk about maybe along the lines of resentment is also um, forgiveness. I find many very good Christians get stuck regarding forgiveness because they think it's a one-and-done event, um, and they struggle with maybe they, in their heart, they have forgiven someone, but then three months later, six months later, uh, it comes up again and they get angry and resentful about the situation all over again. We have to understand forgiveness is both event and ongoing process. So, All of you really devout Catholics out there, please do not kick yourself for still feeling angry or upset with something that someone did to you a year ago, six months ago, two years ago. Don't think you're being a bad Christian, a bad Catholic, telling yourself, oh, I should have forgiven them or I thought I had forgiven them. There must be something wrong with my faith life. No, forgiveness is both event and, and process. I did forgive that person at the time of the event and I am continuing to forgive every time it comes back to me in my feelings and in my conscious thoughts.
0: Mm, That's very profound, I think, to acknowledge that side of forgiveness. That is so fundamental to resentment. Uh, I'd also like to hear your thoughts on gratitude. Do you think gratitude is something that's important in uh, overcoming resentment? Do you think a lack of gratitude breeds resentment?
1: Most definitely. Um, oh, it is so important. The old Baptist hymn, count your blessings, name them one by one. Give thanks to the things that God has done. You know, we have to be thankful. We can just be uh, either pessimistic or optimistic. Either that glass is always half empty or it's half full. It really is how we view things. And I know it may sound very trite, but yeah, if we are stuck in a pity party mode, again, what might help us to move out is just to start thanking God for the very simple blessings that we have, Mm. things that we may take for granted that I have a roof over my head, that I have a place to sleep tonight. I can go to my refrigerator and open it, and there's something I can mm. eat and mm-hmm. take from it. Something, Things that are just very simple that, unfortunately, maybe 70% of the rest of the world
0: does not have
1: access to.
0: Mm-hmm. We need
1: to be grateful
0: A gratitude exercise, and a lot of people talk about having gratitude journals. I like using my rosary to do a gratitude exercise, Mm -hmm. something that I struggled with when I was single, you know, longer than I had hoped and was kind of living those single years. And there was so much to celebrate and be grateful for, but it's easy to live a life of comparison. And so that can breed Mm -hmm. resentment this comparison culture, the social media culture. Uh, it doesn't help to temper desire. It helps to really feed the fuel, the flame of desire. And so an exercise I had taken up when I was single, struggling with some resentment, was to take my rosary out and on every bead, of course, make sure you pray your rosary for the day, but to go through on each bead, say something I'm grateful for. And even if maybe there was a person who I was struggling with resentment from, you know, maybe I'd say on multiple of those beads, different things and attributes, that I'm grateful for in that person. It was often something I did before bed. It became a routine for me uh, to end the day on a positive note, end the day recognizing all the good things I have to be grateful for, to appreciate, to delight in because these are gifts from God. And so it's almost an act of justice as we can be resentful for things that have occurred to us. We ignore all the good that God has given us as well.
1: It's such a beautiful spiritual practice I'm learning from you that's fantastic I love hearing that and I think also um you know regarding um, vocation one state in life resentment we have to remember that God created each and every one of us with a purpose we're mm-hmm. not here just you know specks floating around in the cosmos We have a purpose. And so praying and asking God, if I'm feeling resentful about what's happening or not happening in my life, God, please help me understand, show me the purpose you want me to have. I think it's important also to remember from St. Therese of Lisieux about the very many flowers in God's garden. Not every one of them is a rose. She considered herself to be the smallest of flowers, a little violet, right? So, but even that violet has a purpose. It has a particular thing it is supposed to do. We all have a particular purpose. That's why God, God made us and called us into existence and he created us. So some are going to have maybe public notice and public acclamations. Maybe some of the uh, great Catholic speakers, uh, they are recognized. Maybe they have name recognition. But you know what? The people, the mothers, the fathers, the parents, the single persons taking care of their loved ones or doing their duties faithfully, going to college, attending classes, getting all that work and assignments done in a dutiful manner, they are doing what God has called and created them to do at that moment don't take that lightly it's important it's Mm -hmm. very important to do the work we are supposed to do at the moment our vocation in life if we do it well is serving god well
0: Amen. And that brings me back to something you said earlier when we were talking about resentment, and sometimes that resentment is there because we haven't processed or experienced the emotions that have led Mm -hmm. to that event that built that resentment. You said the only way out is through. Uh, And I Mm -hmm. thought that that was very profound, especially thinking of, for example, St. Edith Stein, also known as St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross, Mm -hmm. and she would often speak of the science of the cross that I think makes so much sense for us and understanding that The only way through that purification that God is calling us to, to live as he's asking us, is to combat sin in our lives. And how did Jesus Christ defeat sin? He did it through the sacrifice on the cross. And we too are supposed to unite ourselves to the cross with Christ. And that is what St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross and St. Edith Stein referred to as a science of the cross that we're supposed to literally, she would say, fasten ourselves to the cross with Christ. And that's not easy. There is suffering and pain that comes through that. But as you said, that suffering, can be good for us and it can be good for others when we offer it for them. That's Sister Tina Alfieri here on Trending with Timory. Sister Tina, we're going to take questions. If you have a question for a nun, now is your opportunity. Sister Tina Alfieri is a certified sexual addiction therapist and a recovery coach for addictive disorders and, very interesting, she's also a hermit. So profound wisdom and advice from Sister Tina, coming your way, the numbers one 888 9149 you can also ask your question now on my social media I have an Instagram story up so please ask your questions we're ready for them with Sister Tina we'll be right back Listening to Trending with Timory, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation 888 914 9149. opportunity today on trending numbers 1-888-914-9149. We're happy to take your questions. I know many are rolling in. I'd like to start with this one. My wife had an affair with another woman. How do I move on and move forward in our relationship? We've been married for 14 years and we have three kids. Her answers don't make sense. Joining us now is Sister Tina Alfieri, a certified sexual addiction therapist and recovery coach for addictive disorders. She's also a hermit and nun. To answer this question about affairs, please join us now. Sister Tina, I would love to hear your thoughts on this.
1: All right. Boy, that's jumping, diving straight into the deep end. So um, it's very important to understand that the reparative work Of overcoming infidelity and affairs in the marriage requires expert help from therapists who are trained to deal with marriage repair and infidelity. Uh, Number one on the part the infidelity on the part of the person who initiated the affair but then also number two for the betrayed and hurt spouse. This takes a lot of expertise. It takes therapy. This is not something I would suggest that, um, you ignore. Uh, it's not going to get better unless it is dealt with. I think bringing back up, you know, the great quote from Fritz Perls, the only way out is through. You're going to have to work through this. What I would suggest is that you find a very good, couples therapist who is experienced in marriage repair after infidelity Um, i would also suggest that if you cannot find a good catholic therapist with that experience then the next best option would be to get a certified sexual addiction therapist who they do specialize in marriage repair after infidelity. They also support betrayed partners. Um, so that's what I would suggest. This is going to be a long road. Again, we're talking about forgiveness, resentment. It's both process. It's both event and process. It's an ongoing process. Um, it's going to take a lot of prayer sticking close to the sacrament to aid your therapy and recovery work i would also encourage each of you your wife and the betrayed partner the betrayed spouse to have a strong sacramental life make reparations and to each have your own spiritual director as well this is a problem that is has many tentacles and we need everything we can thrown at it to help the marriage survive and repair.
0: I love this approach that I think is very practical. Sound counseling, and I'll recommend some resources Catholictherapist.com and Catholic Psychotherapy.com are to excellent Mm -hmm. resources I just came from the Catholic Psychotherapy Conference it was excellent so many faith-filled therapists Sister Tina who want to help and are struggling or are helping people struggling with situations such as these and then you mentioned the theological perspective of being Mm -hmm. sound in your sacraments and spiritual guidance we need and I want to advocate for Catholic therapists in particular because they will honor your faith tradition honor the sacrament of marriage that upholds marriage is permanent here on earth it's called to be faithful and won't advocate for divorce and that's why that's so important so we'll include some links online catholictherapist.com and catholic psychotherapy.org or those resources we'll post them in the episode notes for today's show yes
1: i'm a member of the catholic psychotherapy association and they are very uh faithful to the teachings of the church yes
0: Fabulous. Sister Tina Uh Alfieri is here with us today on Trending. If you have a question for a nun, she's here to take your question. The number's 1-888-914-9149. Christine in Arizona is on the line. Christine, welcome to Trending. What's your question today for Sister Tina?
2: I think for me, it's like I've struggled with my daughter-in-law for like the past 16 years, and it really kind of started with um, my first grandchild. And it's like,
1: I, I just, she's very controlling. She doesn't let me see them. Um, if I do see them, it's very short periods of time. And it's just very frustrating to me. And I, I, I feel like I'm at a better place now than I was when it, this all first started 16 years ago. But I, and I also feel like, God has used this in a way to help um, me become closer to Him. But how do you deal with this constant source of
2: resentment? Mm, Sister Tina.
1: Yeah, very good question. So there's a couple of uh, topics or issues kind of all rolled in there together. I'm not sure how old the grandchildren are now. I'm not sure what your distance is uh, geographically from where the grandchildren live but I do advocate uh, for um, video sessions over Skype or Zoom-type platforms or FaceTime. Uh, Those are something, uh, those formats and uh, uh, platforms allow us to have more face-to-face contact without having to travel necessarily. I'm a hermited person. I use that all the time now going on to the resentment again we have to understand that God is everywhere God sees your daughter-in-law he sees your grandchildren he sees you he knows your pain he also knows the heart of the granddaughter excuse me the daughter-in-law he also is able to intervene uh, if we allow him to I also encourage in-laws to do a little self-inventory. I'm not pointing fingers, but sometimes it's easier for us to take the inventory of others than to take our own inventory. Possibly ask yourself, have I been as welcoming as I ought? Have I been as charitable as I ought to my daughter-in-law? And what about the son uh, that's married to this woman. He has also got to play a part in this relationship. It's not just the Mm daughter-in-law unless there's possibly been a divorce or he has passed away. So there's enough for us to look at about our own behaviors, to take our own inventory. And sometimes that means we have to extend our hearts Trying to help our hearts to expand embracing those who maybe are making our lives difficult and we are asked as Christians to do that if someone asks us to carry their coat for a mile we volunteer to carry it for two miles so there's a balance here of taking your own inventory what could I possibly have done maybe the daughter-in-law has mentioned things you have done ask your son uh what's happening um but take your own inventory first out of charity before you take the inventory of someone else again i think spiritual direction comes into play getting yourself a good spiritual director to assist you with this staying close to the sacraments and uh, using some platforms, video platforms, to have more contact with the grandchildren if travel is an issue, if geography is the issue, or finances are the issue. These are things that we can do to stay in contact with people uh, that really are not um, expensive ways to do that.
0: I Don't hope some been of that here. may have helped. I'll jump in for a moment as well. Christine, you are in a position that I think a lot of grandparents are experiencing, especially over the last few years. I've heard from a lot of grandparents over the COVID vaccine, different uh, views in terms of politics. This is an increasing uh, situation that is growing, I think, at a time that is very polarizing. And this faithful perspective that sisters talking about, you know, kind of doing that chat. self-check is very helpful as well. But I am just thinking about this as well from this perspective of a, a daughter-in-law and how, you know, in-law relationships are difficult, they're complicated. You know, there's always often this, you know, you versus them mindset from the in-laws or from the daughter-in-law that can go in both directions. And there's that challenge of trying to find that simulation of like, this isn't my family of origin, uh, but finding a sense of belonging or helping the other two feel belonged. And you know maybe there are some wounds there that might need to be addressed or discussed, or maybe you don't know what those wounds are and the question can be asked. But what I will say from the perspective of a daughter-in-law and just all women, you know, women desire to know and feel loved. And so maybe there are things, even when there's resentment there, that you can do to assure your daughter-in-law of her place, that she is not other and separate from you, but that she belongs that she's welcomed, she's loved and she's safe and then start frequently as you start you know figuring out what are those acts that I can you know outwardly do for her to make her feel that way expecting nothing in return after time how can you start offering and saying how can I help you because i find so often i think I hear from a lot of uh, in-law situations where a lot of people will say, you know, my in-law's never offered to help. And, you know, even if it's not on your terms of how you'd like to help, saying, how can I help? And saying over and over again while doing those acts of love to try and bring her into the fold so that she belongs and so that you don't feel like she's other And she doesn't feel like she's other. Sometimes even I think that language of daughter-in-law or son-in-law can feel so isolating and legalistic rather than from a faithful perspective, ontologically, on a level of existence. By the very fact that that marital vow was taken, this person belongs to your family and shouldn't be treated as other or act as other. And that's difficult when it's still newer and fresh or 16 years later when there have been things that have built up over time. More questions for Sister Tina Alfieri today on Trending. Kathy in Pennsylvania is on the line. Kathy, what can we do to talk about your marriage today with Sister Tina?
3: Hi, thank you for taking my call. I have been married for almost 40 years. I have two children who are young adults now, in their 30s, and my husband has been addicted to pornography his entire life. He was exposed to it by his father as a small child, and everything, some, every time I would touch him or something would happen, he would insist that he had stopped, and now that the kids are out of the house, he's become extremely verbally abusive to me and blames me for everything in his life that didn't go the way he wished it would go, and I am like getting kind of fearful of this situation also. My daughter's getting married this summer, so I it, they're in, not close by, they're like four hours away where they're getting married, and I don't want to rock the boat for her getting married, and I just don't know what to do. He's, uh, and he's claiming that he's going to a counselor, and he actually said he went to a counselor to try to find out what's wrong with me. And this counselor supposedly told him that his pornography addiction is all my fault that he had as a child mm. as a young person before I even married him. I didn't find out about it until after we got married. And mm. he's actually lost one job over it. We moved around for his jobs. He's in high tech. And he has lost one job over it, which he denied. But the boss called me and told me the week after that they dismissed him. They found porno on his computer at work. Mm, and he was only there for you.
0: I'm going to have Sister Tina to Kathy. I'm so sorry. You should not be playing for this. We're going to have Sister Tina jump in here.
1: Most definitely. So um, no one except the addict is responsible Mm -hmm. for their addiction. So I want to say that a second time for those in the back, maybe the addicts who are also out there, whatever your addiction is, alcoholism, gambling, porn, shopping, spending, food, No one but the addict is responsible for their addiction, and they are also the only ones who are able to recover from it. So what I encourage you to do, Kathy, is to find a therapist for yourself. Um, If your husband is not wanting to join you in therapy, I encourage you to find a therapist for yourself. Again, a therapist who understands Catholic values who understands about the trauma of betrayal because that's what uh we're talking about is betrayal trauma and these are terms you can google as well betrayal trauma is a whole um uh, lots of research being done on that and has been done on betrayal trauma but i encourage you that if your husband is wanting to have a um honest catholic marriage then I would encourage your husband to invite you to his sessions with his therapist as well. And to see maybe what is happening. Is this a Catholic therapist who understands what the Catholic values are? Is this a therapist who even understands what betrayal trauma is and that addiction to pornography is a real thing? It's very unfortunate. We have some. Uh, sections of society who do not believe that pornography can be addicting. I don't understand mm -hmm. it in this day and age when Mm -hmm. all the research indicates otherwise. So maybe the therapist is not on board uh, or is up with current uh, research, but there has got to be some sharing of information. You inviting your husband into your therapy sessions with your therapist who understands betrayal trauma and uh Catholic values and then I would encourage that your husband if he is working on himself uh, hopefully that's why we go to therapy is to work on ourselves we cannot work on others that's an impossibility so if he's going to therapy to work on himself I would hope that once a quarter uh, once every three or four months that the therapist invites you the spouse in for in for just a check-in to say, well, what's going on? Because we do know that with addiction, there is inherently a lot of denial. And I guarantee you, myself as a therapist, I know I'm only getting half the story when there's an addict in Mm -hmm. the chair in my office. And so I do invite spouses or family members to come if the addict is willing uh, to just kind of give me their side. How is the recovery going? I need to hear from both sides.
0: Mm And we'll mention some resources here for you, Kathy. BloomforCatholicWomen.com specifically addresses the crisis of betrayal trauma that women are experiencing. I know that's actually how I found Sister Tina Alfieri through her work for for BloomforCatholicWomen.com. We'll post a link in the episode notes as well as on social media. And looking for a sound therapist. Like Sister Tina said, maybe your husband needs a therapist that has a Catholic worldview of marriage. CatholicTherapist.com and CatholicPsychotherapy.org are two excellent resources as well. We'll post a link on the episode notes. We'll be right back. We have more questions coming in for Sister Tina. We'll be right back. Sister Tina, Ask a nun here on Trending Today. You're listening to Trending with Timree, where you can discuss what matters most to you. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Ask a Nun today on Trending. So many questions coming in. I briefly want to touch on this one. I'm a single man. However, I've had issues with pornography and masturbation, especially when I've been feeling down. How do I deal with this? I want to recommend a handful of resources. IntegrityRestored.com is one. Uh, But we just did an episode with Jim O'Day from Integrity Restored on whether or not pornography is an addiction. We get into the science of it and how to stop looking at pornography. And we do address the issue of masturbation there. You can also browse episodes I've done with Jim O'Day as well we'll post a link on social media talking about how to stop a pornography addiction and masturbation as well in the episode notes and on social media. another call has come in from Mary Mary's on the line and has a question for sister Tina today. Mary, welcome to trending. What's your question?
2: Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, this, I'm a little nervous in saying this, but, um, My husband um, has a fantasy in which I go and be intimate with other men and then I come back and be intimate with him. And um, it is not something that I feel comfortable with, but I almost feel pressured about it. Um, There's a certain, there's a false sense of it bringing us closer together. And I know that's just the devil lying to us that this is good, quote unquote, good for our relationship. Um, I know I have brought it up to him that I, I don't want to do this anymore. And he feels betrayed that I would want to stop doing this. And it's keeping me, I, I don't feel like I can go to confession. I'm afraid that, you know, the situation is going to come up again. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I feel almost if I were to go to confession and then confess it, I, I feel like I'm almost lying to God because I, you know, the, there's that, I'm caught, I'm caught between God and my husband, and I'm not really sure what to do.
0: Hmm. Sister Tina, if you could weigh in on Mary's question. Yeah,
2: thank you. Thank you so much. How very brave.
1: Thank you, Mary. Yes. And you're not alone. I just want to let you know you may feel alone, but there are lots of other people. Uh, I see this all the time. I know it's, you know, singular for you, but... This is not uncommon so the first thing i want to encourage you to do is run to confession amen this is a little spiritual direction Uh, i'm putting on my spiritual director's hat right now there's nothing more the evil one would like to do than to keep you away from confession and keep you away from the sacraments pour your heart out to the confessor let him know exactly what you shared with us i feel stuck between pleasing and serving god but pleasing and serving my husband and that you don't want to abuse the sacrament of confession, but you're just, you feel stuck, but you want to make an honest confession. So that's number one, go to confession ASAP. Number two, stick close to the sacraments. Number three, your husband, uh, this is the same recommendations for him as well. You know, husbands and wives are supposed to love one another and support one another. And that includes, any kind of intimate behaviors that uh, both are willing to participate in and do not go against our Catholic values. And so I hear two strikes right there. I hear that this is something that goes against Catholic values, and it's not something you wish to support anymore. You feel uncomfortable with it. You know, a spouse is supposed to be loving, not pressuring or controlling and the love that you and your husband have for one another should not depend on what happens intimately uh it's supposed to be a love that is more elevated than just that um you know the catholic church teaches us that the intimate relationship between a husband and a wife has two primary purposes number one unity and number two procreation, creativity. So we have got to have that unity back. There is now a wedge between you two. This is something that uh, I'm hoping and praying your husband would, if he's a Catholic who is trying to live a godly life, would go to confession himself, would seek spiritual direction, and as well, it sounds like couples therapy, about how to manage the situation is also in order. Again, this is something that's not going to get better unless it is really addressed and looked at. We can't sweep it under the rug. We can't just kind of hope it's going to get better. We have to be kind of like a full frontal attack here, and we have to do um, the sacramental side of uh, attacking this as well as the secular therapy side with a therapist who understands Catholic values and understands about how to have a Catholic marriage.
0: Mm, amen. Mary, I know you're with us there in this. Oh, I'm praising God right now that you called, Mary. You are not mm-hmm. alone. And mm-hmm. you having the courage to call right now, you are helping other people I know who are listening right now. who are in your same amen. position. I'm just going to summarize, Sister Tinia emphasized, go running to confession. You mm-hmm. knock down that door of the priest, you go and call <laughs> and make an appointment. You find the closest place to go to confession. Get to confession because this is truly demonic. And I just mm-hmm. really want to inv- emphasize this. This is demonic. Do not let the devil enter into your marriage. And he has. And you need to fight back with the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go to convention- confession. You also, I would really recommend, you know, get right away to that intervention with priests praying over him, praying over you, the two of you, receiving our Lord Jesus Christ regularly. Stand firm in your no. And I do want to emphasize the need for healing for you, Mary. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a form of rape. In a certain respect. And I know that's really intense to say, but it is a form of rape when we look at it, when you're being pressured by someone else to engage in these acts of someone else. And so you need healing for that. You, Your soul, mm-hmm. your body has been damaged. And so please, you need healing. CatholicTherapist.com is a resource. Uh, and Bloom for Catholic Women. We've posted links to these on social media as well as in the episode notes that will be available for today's show. Mary, we're praying for you and with you. I don't know how much time we have, but we're just going to pray together. Uh, Sister Tina, will pray together a litany of prayers. Um, we'll start with a Hail Mary. And actually, Mary, if you're still there, if you can pray the second half of the Hail Mary. Uh, Sister Tina, will you pray the first half of the Hail Mary for us?
1: Certainly. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of
2: thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
0: O we'll Our Lady of Hope, pray for us. Saint Joseph, terror of demons, pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus. Pray for us. Mary, we're praying for you. Have courage. God has sent you there are here. He loves you. He's intervening in your life. And praise God. Sister Tina, thank you so much for joining us and giving these resources that are so important. We have Bloom for Catholic Women, catholictherapist.com. Are there any other resources that you would recommend to have handy? I think we lost Sister Tina, but thank you so much for joining us. All the resources for today's show will be posted in the episode notes for today's show, relevantradio.com/trending, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We are there. Coming up next, heavy topics ask you to pray for so many people who've been with us this hour, Mary and Kathy and others. We are praying for you. You've been th- you're in the right place. And coming up next, pray with us in the family rosary across America with Father Rocky. This is Timree from Trending with Timree. Wednesday on Trending, I'll be joined by a courageous voice, a young woman named Chloe Cole, who identified as transgender as a boy and has taken her life back. She's going to join us to share her story about the damage done by the transgender ideology and the truth that she is speaking that is so centered on the human-centered view, faith-filled view of the human person. Join me to listen to Chloe's story, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio,